In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. <laughs> like what them dudes, like you know black people who find every excuse in the world not to do stuff with black people. Man, ain't enough ice cubes in here. That's why you can't do nothing with black people. That's why I can't f- with you, man. You look like my cousin Ray Ray. Right, right. And That's I, I don't f- with Ray Ray. <laughs> I don't f- with Ray Ray. <laughs> unless, you, unless, like, Ray Ray has a very specific set of skills. Yes. Like, you've fallen behind on your car payment. Oh, exactly. So you need your car to go away. Exactly. Ray Ray, is, Ray Ray. Ray Ray is good for that. What up, cousin? You know exactly. <laughs> Hi, your mama. Anyway. <laughs> and the bad thing is, Ray Ray is kind of distant from the family. Okay. And he knows that's what you're doing. Exactly. But he just wants family contact so badly that he'll go along with it. It's actually kind of sad if you think about it long enough. Yeah, but... But Thankfully, we don't have to give it much Some hey, sometimes you need an Xbox at the last minute. You need a last minute Xbox, and Ray Ray is where you go. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Michelle Mission Two Men One Podcast. Ray Ray, the printer went off, and the baby has to print. Her report, I need a printer in 15 minutes. You know I got you, cuz. See? You need that collated. <laughs> right. Right. I don't even know what collated means. That is just a term I've heard. That means it got white teeth. <laughs> See? See? That's terrible. It got fluoride. That is terrible. You only call up Rayway when you need something quasi-legal. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast. Every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble, and I am joined by... Hey, this is Vincent Williams. It's All Soul, 8 to 10 on Wednesdays. Um, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are recording at Amalgam Comics and Coffee House. Yes, we are. Having a good time here uh, as we sit down to review 1969's... Yes. The Learning Tree. The Learning Tree. Written, produced, and directed... By Gordon Parks. Music by Gordon Parks. And produced the, by Gordon Parks. Based on the novel, novel by, by Gordon, Gordon Parks. Parks like, I'm pretty name. sure he did craft services and the costumes. Yes. <laughs> like, Gordon Parks did everything. Makeup by Makeup. Gordon Parks. Yeah, it's all Gordon Parks. 
<laughs> Pretty much. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna have fun. This was uh, Vince's. Uh, this was your. No, this was your selection. Was it? Oh. Yeah, that's why I was letting you talk. But this was your selection. Uh, I did select this. Yeah, I forgot. All right. <laughs> But before we get I mean, in, we can do it like I selected because I would have selected it. Yes. Let's do it like you selected. <laughs> we'll do it like you I selected. You know sele- why? Because the only reason I selected it. Because I mentioned it. You mentioned it and right. I saw that it was available. Right, right, right. So that's the only reason. I was like, well, hey. Then and the funny thing is I said Kevin Hooks. And, 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 and it's, it's not Kevin Hooks. But what I was thinking of was Sounder. Right. And this, I conflated the two because it's like both like barefoot black boys in overalls run around in the field now l- let me ask you something because you just say, you just use the word and you're you're the english professor yeah, yeah sure well, okay. well, you are i mean i am but i don't know what why this qualifies me for whatever it is we about to talk no about. you use the word conflated yes but you used it in uh a, in a place where i would have used confused the two right well i conflated because i talked about the plot mm-hmm. of of of, of the um, learning tree. Right. But then I said instead of Kyle Johnson. You said Kev- Kevin I Hooks. said Kevin Hooks. So how is that a conflict? It's like I don't – Because I blended it. Oh, okay. So that's what conflation right. – Like if I confuse it, I'd say, you know, like in the learning tree when, um, when the father goes to jail and Cicely Tyson sends him the chocolate cake and they eat it with their hands. And then you would say, oh, no, you're confusing that with Sounder. Right. Because that's what happens in Sounder. But why wouldn't that, what you just said, be conflating? Because there's no blend. Like, I actually just took the, the plot whole scale and, and replaced it. it. Okay. Okay. All See, right. this, I had the plot and the cast member from somewhere else, and I put them together. I actually mushed them together. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. One might say, to speak in comic book parlance, you amalgamated them. I amalgamate. It's like the amalgam universe. It's like when Superman and Captain America, they put them together. And, and Super Soldier. Remember, it was Super Soldier. That's, the, that's right. That's right. That's right. If you could take a character from a movie and plop him into another movie... Is there anyone that comes to mind right off the off the top of your head? Actually, there is, and we were just. It, it, it's so funny. We were watching. We, you know, we have, um, we we have, um, dear white people coming up. Yes, and there are characters. And it's so funny. I was watching dear white people getting ready for a new episode, and I said that there were characters in dear white people that if we had put them in Get Out they would not have gone up in the woods or if they would have gone up in the woods, they would have acted differently. Okay. Okay. So I've been thinking about characters because, you know, get out is still on my mind. It's stuck with you. It's bro. stuck with me. So like I'm seeing characters like, wow, I wonder how such and such would have reacted in get out. Mm. Hmm. So that's now my go-to film. If I dropped, you know, if I dropped somebody Morpheus into get out, I like, wonder how Morpheus would have like with Morpheus. Like Morpheus would have gone up there with her, but Morpheus also would have been more aware of his surroundings. Do you think Morpheus would have gone with her? I think Morpheus would have gone with her because Mor- Morpheus was curious, and Morpheus had faith in the um, in the oracle yeah. and in the prophecy. So that, that so would- he figured it would all work out. Mm. But would he have gotten sunken? No. No, no, because I think Morpheus would have been aware of what she was doing with the teacup immediately. Okay, because that looks like a signal. It does, right? I see that. 
and, and just staying in kind of like that action realm, mm-hmm. I think that Blade yes. wouldn't have gone with her. Yeah, Blade wouldn't have gone with her. No, here's what Blade would have done. Blade would have said, I'm not going with you. And then she would have gone up there by herself or taken someone else, and Blade would have followed them. Yeah. Because Blade's a hunter. And then Blade would Blade would have laid waste to all of them. Well, it, it's a, it's a ten minute movie, if, if 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 Blade's in it, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the it's the pre credit action piece, <laughs> right? Exactly. That's what it is. So that's what it is. All right, that was fun. Okay, <laughs> that's that's all you wanted. <laughs> that was enough for me. All right, was that good enough for you? Hey, always. All right, so let's get into. Uh, 1969's The Learning Tree. Where grows the learning tree? By rivers that flow in the night Winds that blow after sundown that's what a boy should know. Fireflies and restless stars in tall fields of corn where all June bugs are born in the dew time. That's where a boy should grow. Broad skies, round as pies, clouds puffed, white as snow. Two dogs by his side and a nice girl to know. Tree, written and directed by Gordon Parks, is a 1969 drama film produced and released by Warner Brothers that tells the story of a young African American named Newt Winger growing up in rural Kansas during the late 20s, early 30s, when racial discrimination was a social norm and legally sanctioned in parts of the United States. It was based on Parks' 1964 semi autobiographical novel of the same name. And it holds the distinction of being the first 
Hollywood studio film to be directed by an African-American. In 1989, The Learning Tree was selected for uh, preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. And this film, uh, coming of age film starring Kyle Johnson, Alex Clark, Estelle Evans, Dana Elker, uh, Mira Waters, Joel Fluellen, Malcolm Atterbury, and the infamous Richard Ward, <laughs> who has very quickly become the Michelle Mission enemy. Yes. <laughs> Yes, he's public enemy number one here on the Michelle Mission. Uh, this movie was more or less the selection of Vince. Right, right. It came so, when we were talking. Mm-hmm. So, Vince, what say you about the learning tree? Well, you know, it's it's funny. We were, um, even if you listen to that episode, you, you say, oh, I thought that was a TV movie. Yeah. And I thought, I think that's really relevant because... It's one of those movies that you kind of grew up and caught, and, and I mm-hmm. mixed it up with Sounder because Sounder was the other one. And yeah, that was always you on know television. It was always kind of on television. You would catch it at certain points, and I think you, you know it's the sort of thing where I started watching it, and, and you know, like I, some of these movies, I just sort of watch so that it's fresh in my mind. Mm-hmm. But like I'm, you know, I'm not going to say I'm doing something else, but. I'm you know, doing some right, right. I know I don't have in. to be deep into it because I've seen it and I kind of know it. I'm just kind of refreshing myself, and I, I I rented it, like actually rented it, and I don't know the last time or if I've ever seen Sounder uncut. I mean, um, see, I just did it. Did it I just did it. it. You know, I've never, I haven't seen uh, the Learning Tree uncut. Right, because wow, it's a different movie. It's a different movie. Dog. It's a different movie when it's unedited. Yeah, and I think it made it much more interesting because it has these sort of wild narrative shifts, mm-hmm. where you know the film comes on and it's it's the, the the protagonist Newt and he's barefoot and he's running in these beautiful pastoral you know pastoral fields. Yes, yeah, it's, it's and it, it's Kansas and it's the these bright blue skies and he's just running free and these overalls on and he's doing cartwheels and, and you know and OC Smith is singing the learning tree and it's the just learning tree. And it's just very warm and it almost feels like an after school special. It does. <laughs> I was <laughs> right on the nose And then a storm comes up, and and I couldn't quite get it straight. Was he bitten by a snake? Because remember, she had wrapped something around his leg, and I thought I saw a snake at some point, and it looked like he was dazed. I don't think he was... I don't think... This is the way I read it. Okay. I don't think he was... This is important, folks. ...bitten by a snake. I think because you see the tornado. Right. And you see it off in the distance, and then as he's sitting there studying an anthill. Right. The storm quickly gets up, comes upon him, and he goes to run away. And what I saw was that he 
falls over like a dead log that's there. Right. But he hits it hard. Oh, okay. And it like really messes up his I was so leg. confused because the, the important thing is now he's in this haze in the storm. Yeah. And a woman comes and, and you know, we come to find out later that she works at the local whorehouse and her name is... The B- local brothel. I'm sorry. Because if you're going to speak like that, you're not going to be long in this business. The, the local brothel... <laughs> The the local uh, where we're fun time house. Mm. How's that fun time? There house? you go. Fun time house. Fun world. Fun world. <laughs> and you know, and she's very vivacious, like you know, just very you, you know. She has a name. Well, they call her Big Mabel. Yes, and Big Mabel has sex with him. Like after she say she does get him out of the storm. She gets him out they of the find storm. Like a uh, uh, like a shed or something that they can hole up in. In the storm, he's obviously out of it. Yes, well, and then she takes him, and he's wet, and they're wet, and he's shivering. And you think, well, okay, she's just sort of taking care of him, but then she starts taking off her clothes because she's wet too. And then she climbs into you, you know, this sort of makeshift. They get into a burlap sack, burlap sack, and then she has sex with him. Okay, here's the other thing. And again, you go from this after-school special to. And then I have in my notes, did Big Mabel just have sex with the 15-year-old protagonist? Did she have sex? She absolutely had sex. Because you don't see them having no, sex. No, you don't see them having sex. You don't see them the, really touching. But the, the implication is, well, and when he talks to his boy later in the movie. He says that all they did I was, heard, y'all, I heard that you lost your cherry. And dude said, I told you all that happened. We, we laid in a burlap in the burlap sat together that was it and he said i told you that was all that happened and it's pointed out a number of times in the film that he knew who was this boy uh does not lie the other part besides the wild narrative shifts is that this is an amazingly well-constructed film and well put together film and, and Gordon Parks, you know, it's Gordon Parks. So he has this great visual eye and, and, you know, you have these wonderful transitions. And I would argue that Gordon Parks put that scene there because in, in the way that, that that scene is filmed, it looks like he has sex. Like that's the way it's filmed. And it's Gordon Parks. And I don't think any any frame in this film is there accidentally. So. So you have that. Um, there's a parallel story between the, you know this character Newt, and then there is another character named Marcus, mm-hmm. who's from the wrong side of the tracks. And he doesn't have the family structure that Newt has, and I thought that was this really kind of of interesting theme that that. Gordon Parks was sort of putting out there that you know he doesn't say racism doesn't exist he doesn't say that that you know these people aren't dealing with sort of issues like this in because it's set in 1920 in the 1920s but because Newt comes from a family Newt is able to navigate this world much more easily than Marcus who you know he lives in a shack with his father Booker Savage played again by Richard Ward. Richard Ward. And his father, it should, be, it, it, it should be noted, is a very, very, very absentee father. Very absentee father. And, and you know, and, and the movie makes a point of showing how this has a direct effect 
on how Marcus is treated. Yes. And how Marcus's life unfolds. Yes. Um, you know, the acting, you know, I think Newt, I think Newt works. Like, I think Newt is, or I think Newt gets a little annoying at some point. But I think as a realistic young man, you know, kind of naive, kind of at this point in his life, I think he works. But, um, you know, I'm a fan of the learning tree. We talk about some other stuff, but, but that's sort of my initial. Would you think, Lynn? This mo- it, it's a it's a very interesting movie. Um, right. The the tonal shifts are wild, and and it's only that shift is only uh, um, banged harder or punctuated even more by the shifts in the music. Because there are times when, you know, musically and and based on some of the scenes where this could have been like the Andy Griffith show. Right, right. You know, Um, and then there are other scenes where this could have been, you know, this could have been uh, one of the episodes of Roots. (laughs) Right. So you like you don't know what you're getting now. I think. Like like you say, that um, part of that is um, purposeful mm-hmm. because when you were living in those times, like the, like like it said in in uh, the Wikipedia write up of the movie, uh, you were living in the twenties and thirties Kansas where racism is a social norm. Right. Right. It. it comes with the territory right you know um and it's and it's a different and and in there and in that it's different than what you we saw in nothing but a man where the racism is just like this this oppressive feel that's in the air right for all of the for all of the um the film here the racism is just is it's it's the dialogue it's what is done you know what i mean right, I mean, right. there are people that are you know yes there are they're a little jerky about their you know their racism but there are also some people who are you know believe themselves to be allies right they're still still they're they're the ones that are just operating from a place of privilege and just don't exactly see it, exactly. You know? So it's it's just the it's just what is there. right. So you're and, talking about specifically the judge character, yes, that Newt's mother works for, mm-hmm. and the the family doctor, the family doctor, who, you right. know, is almost like a you know he's in almost like a, a family friend, a family friend, you yeah. know, or, or at least you know if you asked him, yeah, yeah absolutely, they're, they're my friends, you know, yeah. Um, so. It, so uh, and so, I, like I said, I think that I think that it is very purposeful because when you are growing up in that, that's how you do see life. When you're thinking back on your memories, because you remember this is semi-autobiographical, so right, right, it's right. pulled from Gordon's life. Um, I and, would imagine- and just to get this, much like Soul Food, you see this film from 
Newt's perspective. Exactly. So it's not an okay. It's not okay. An adult's oh, that's that's, that's interesting. So you have yeah. so you have you know the highs and the lows of being a kid, right? And then being you know when you're there are times when you're a 15 year old kid, and then there oh you're a 15 year old going on adulthood. Right. Right. You you're know? on the cusp, and, of- and it can be as as simple from just walking 20 feet down the road. Yeah. You know, from being a kid to, oh, I've got to deal with some stuff. Well, I mean, within moments, they have a scene where they're they're actually swimming in the swimming hole. Yeah. And they're like boys and they're, they're swimming in and they they actually take all their clothes. Off. It's like something out of the Garden of Eden. Yeah. And they're swimming in within moments. You they're, see a black man shot to death. Yes. And now the next time they're in the swimming hole, they're in the swimming hole to unwrap this dead man. Right. Right. From from the, the, the muddy mercs. Yeah. Of the lake. The, the lake where they were just once playing. Yeah. Is now a murder scene. Yes. And, For the and, first time in the film. How about that? Yeah. Um, and just the in like just the blink of an eye. Right. You know, I think now they actually call that murder lake. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I'd call it if I lived in Kansas. <laughs> like in this one film, two people are murdered. I'd call it Murder Lake. I, 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 I think that qualifies. Murder Lake. <laughs> we should go have a picnic over by Murder Lake. Like if it was just one person, it would be manslaughter. <laughs> right, right. But two. Right, right. Yeah, that's murder. All right. <laughs> that's, that's murder. Um, but... Uh, it, it, the the wild shifts in the tone, I accept it. Okay. Um, some of the some of the um, the amateurness in the acting because I, yeah. I cause like you said the uh, Kyle Johnson who plays yeah Newt, plays Newt. Um, he's very one note throughout the yeah. entire movie. Yeah, Newt Newt begins to. It, <laughs> It, it's funny by the end so you know as we said newt and marcus are basically enemies throughout the film yeah and you know and then of course the film positions both characters so that you know newt's the good kid mm-hmm. and marcus is the bad kid but i have to say by the end i was kind of sympathetic to marcus i was, like, I was sympathetic for newt is, marcus no but newt is is newt is sort of annoying he is sort of annoying however however um <clears throat> Newt, at the end of the day, didn't do anything wrong. No, he and didn't. even before sure. he, he he does the big thing at the end of the movie for which Marcus will never forgive him. Right. Even before that, he really didn't do anything. He's to Mar- just sort of an oblivious, privileged kid. Well, I don't want who kind of skips through. Lo- I mean, see, I wouldn't say. I that. mean, it's all it's all relative. Like I can see Marcus seeing him this way. Okay. Like he has everything. He's kind of, you know, and he's just in their world. In their world, you yeah. know, as you know, as far as a black person in 1920s Kansas, it seems like Newt just sort of skips through life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. From Marcus' viewpoint. Yeah. From Marcus's viewpoint, I, I can see that. Um, it and th- there were also parts of this movie, and I, I almost wish that Gordon had leaned into this a little bit more where this easily could have been like the black stand by me with, right with the it's four or five right boys. It's right four got five if you count marcus right um that i actually could have just followed them throughout the movie now yeah. it doesn't really build up on the rest of those other up other boys you really only build up on um 
Newt and Marcus and their their uh, parallel, you know, trajectories throughout this film. Right. Um, but I, I really would have I would have been interested in seeing the whole deal, you know. But uh, it was it was uh, I'll say it was the type of type of film that I don't think that I would have sat down to watch if it was not the Michelle mission. Okay, in so the, in these days and times. So when's the, what do you mean? Okay, well go ahead. What like, do you mean by like that? Easily the last time I saw it was when I was a kid. I saw okay, it on television. And if I had seen it, like if I had seen it, that's where it was. I, I was trying to remember where did I see this movie where I could have watched it for free and we didn't have to rent it. It was on Turner Classic Movies. Okay, that's right. I don't have. The, I didn't have the app. Duh. So I, I rented it too. Okay. To waste my money. But anyway. <laughs> But it wasn't a waste. No, 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 no. It, was, it, it wasn't a waste. Because the one thing I will say, Gordon Parks, a noted photographer. Yeah. Um, and he, I, I, he does wield a nice camera. The composition of some of these the shots. How many shots. It, uh, uh, was, you know, we, we just talked about they had to pull a dead body from the water. And Newt dreams about it. Yeah, and the dream sequence. Yeah, you is, see the body underwater, right? It's in, and just the colors and the light sort of diffusing through the water, and mm-hmm. it's the it's sort of the seaweed floating, and it's it's a, and you can tell it's a dream. Yeah. Oh, it's a it's a great kind of moment. It is, you know, and it's one of those moments where I had to. It's like, oh, it's some like this is amazing right now. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he he was doing he did work. Um, I do think that some of the some of the script and some of the characters are a little broadly drawn, mm-hmm. uh, like Newt's parents, especially his mother. <laughs> um, she she loved Jesus and she loved her family. Yeah, I, I'm finished. I'm I'm finished. Actually, she has a scene in this movie where I guess she faints and or passes out. That. I thought I was looking at Kim Kardashian on the screen. <laughs> you, you know the funny thing about her, which always bugs me out about this movie. Every time I see the movie, because she, they have her like she's this older woman, With like a fifteen-year-old boy. The, every time I watch it, I forget that she's his mother. Yeah, you I think, think she's, like she's his grandmother. You, that's because she's got she's got a, a, a gray wig. But so it's this gray wig, and she almost resembles the mother in Soul Food. Like Almost. she's smaller than her, but yeah. just her cadence and everything. Mm-hmm. And every time I watch it, it's like, so are you telling me 15 years ago this woman was having sex? I'm whispering because like some yeah, children yeah, just right. walked up. Yeah. So and <laughs> and I and I don't know why they don't present her as younger. I th- I think again, I would be curious to the uh, to read about the casting choices. It's interesting that. Newt's family is his mom, who's a much older woman. Yeah, his pop, who is a much older man. Right. Um, his older brother, who looks like he's thirty-eight years old. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and then he has an older sister. He has as an older well, sister um, who looks like she may be in her twenties. I was about to say, I'm, I, I thought she was in her twenties. So I'm. So I think that's the reason why you cast her as older. And I. I, I but. I mean, I guess. And if it's semi-autobiographical, I mean, you I know. I think he might, he, you know, want to Newt, get his family Newt depicted. Newt might be a oops baby. Newt might be a, I mean, Where'd you Where'd that come from? I, and I have to say, we are in Philadelphia, which in, which in my experience is the home of siblings that are 10, 15 years apart. 
Yeah, it's true. Very I true. mean, my son is 11 years younger than my daughter. Like I'm over here talking crazy, like I don't have that kind of setup in my house. Exactly. So exactly, I guess we've answered our own question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like you won't be taking a cane to his uh, <laughs> right to his eighth grade prom. <laughs> like my daughter is just young enough that we don't get those awkward questions about, well, who's the mother, you or her? Like if she, my daughter was two years older, mm-hmm. it'd get awkward. So there you go. But she doesn't have to be such an old woman. She didn't have to be such an old woman. Um, but, you know, she was. And she was she was annoying. I she see was, where Newt got it from. Yeah, she was annoying. She was very... I was like... And the father is pretty much non-existent. Non-existent. As non-existent. a character. It's, it's not that he's not in the light. Right. He's just not... He's just not... He's just a cipher. Except for the scene where he yells at Newt because he thinks Newton got this girl pregnant. Mm-hmm. Which, I love that scene. Like, that was a real scene. That was. (laughs) Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jackie's Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh. What's the best way to eat a taco, Vince? With your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. Because he said, I want to know what's going on with you and that girl. And you just, I don't know what's happening. He said, that girl is going to have a baby. So something is going on and you need to, and I think you got something to do with it. And I said, oh boy. It's a shame because. That's a real tough, that's a tough conversation he's having right now. It's a shame because that is a a really powerful scene. Yes. And well played. Yes. Um, And then the the subsequent scene when they go to the girl's house. Right. Is just as equally well played. Yes. Um, But the unfortunate thing is, is that the two kids in both of those. Can't really rise to the occasion. Can't rise to the occasion. And thus it, it. it just feels like it wants to it's a scene that it's like wants to pop right and it just can't i'm 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 interested in that scene because you know as we said there there's this there are the parallel parallel storylines between newt and marcus right and marcus's mother is dead yes and so it's just marcus and his father who is a 'er ne'er-do-well as we've mentioned he's a jerk so there aren't many scenes with parents that you can parallel like that yeah so you know i I, like that scene with the father and newt i thought was interesting especially since if his mother hadn't come downstairs i love the fact that the father had decided that this was man business right and your mother doesn't you know because of because she got sick because of course she got sick and you know (laughs) She got sick because the script said so. Right. We don't we you know, we don't need to bother your mother with this. And I was like, oh, this this is some old school man stuff, right? Like his father's like, what is his father gonna do about this? And then of course, you know, it wasn't Newt's baby. But it just made me think, like, what was his father's plan? Like, what was his plan if I, Newt had said, That's my baby? Like, yeah. what was the next step? 
He was going to make Newt marry that girl. Probably. He was going to make Newt marry that girl. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. um, You know, I just thought about another scene with uh, a so-called ally on here when um, Newt is about to to walk home with his girlfriend and then gets called by the teacher uh, who basically tells Newt, like, you know, what are these these plans of you trying to go to college. Right, right, like, right. You know, like, come on, come on, son. You know, no, you just, that's going to be too hard for you. Right, don't want to hurt your Negro and, brain. Right, and then they eventually go to the the principal's office, who we learn is a newer principal. Right. And he doesn't espouse, you know, doesn't, you know, espouse, uh, belong, believe in that type of thinking. I was, um, I was listening to an older episode, and I was into Within Our Gates, and, and the teacher is like the woman within our gates that black people are only good to be field hands and lumberjacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, um, that was, that was, uh, that was interesting. There's a lot of like little interesting scenes that I think wholly make up to create a, a, you know, a halfway decent movie. Right. Well, you know, it's, you know, I just talked about, I was wondering about what would have happened if it actually was Newt Spade. And we're talking about Kyle Johnson and 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 how he isn't necessarily the strongest actor. Right. And I really liked the the actor that played Marcus though, Alex Clark. I did like him. And the movie that I really wanted to see is when Al, when Marcus gets adopted by the 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 black underworld mm-hmm. of Kansas. Yeah, you know Jimmy Rushing, who is a who's an old jazz and blues singer, plays the um, head sort of. He owns a he owns the the brothel, right, and club in Fun Juke World. Joint, yeah, in Fun World, and he kind of takes Marcus under his wing, and you can tell that if Marcus just sort of plays his cards right, this can be his life. Yeah. And I love that. Like I love that 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 this you know we we say the community. And the film spends a lot of time talking, you know, there are church picnics and church and, you know, there are all these nice, respectable black people. They pass each other in the street and, you know, good morning, good day. And like, that's the community. But there's another part of the community. Yeah. And that's still the community. Right. And they have different practices, but, Mm -hmm. you know, they're also loyal. And I love that little detail that he had taken Marcus in. Yeah. And say, you know, hey, boy, you need a job? What else are you going to do? And just because he saw him on the street, because, because the, the town is so small, pretty much everybody knows. Everybody knew he knows had, the story. Because at some point he goes to reform school, and he comes back from reform school. Well, he, they, 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 I don't know if that was reform school. That looked like jail. Yeah. That looked like and, jail. And then there's that. Yeah. And then there's and that. The young boy went to jail. Yeah. And got warmed. He got his butt warmed over. And in a lot of, because I thought that the implication, there were a few implications oh, about yeah. what happened to him in prison. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, Marcus really did draw the short straw. Yeah, he was Andy Dufresne. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then yes, he comes. But, um, yeah, I, I thought that was kind of interesting. And, and the the guy that plays the the owner what did you say his Jimmy name? Rushing Jimmy Rushing um he was one some of in what little bit he had he was some of the best acting in the movie yeah yeah he was yeah very naturalistic yeah you know um and like and, and instantly developed like a rapport 
and, and just the little scene, just a couple of scenes, uh, instantly developed like you know a nice little uh, tete-a-tete with Marcus. Yeah, I mean, when you know, I like Jimmy. Like he's an old, he's one of them old school singers, like blues. Like I just saw it said he sang with Count Basie. Mm-hmm. So much charisma. Yeah, like so much presence. But a lot of that, I think, is just his background. I mean, right. I think he's a good, you know, I think he does a fairly good job as an actor. But I think the best thing he does as an actor is he's able to channel himself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because, yeah, you know, he is so charismatic. And he's like, he's one of these old black dudes that, you know, I love so much. Like, I love these dudes. Yeah, he was cool, man. He was really cool. That the, And, like, um, that world it, 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 that's the thing like the whole the whole story of marcus and i wonder if the, is this because we like bad boys or whatever but that his whole story was the more interesting story right you know um you you saw the writing on the wall as far as how it was going to end yeah unfortunately you um it was the more interesting one i could have like followed that one yeah and had a really good time. Well, you know, I think new and you, and you know it's a coming of age story. So part of this is just the nature of the coming of age story. But Newt's whole story can be summed up in: it's a nice kid from a nice family. He thinks the world is a nice place, but then some stuff happens to show him that the world isn't always a nice place. Right. And events happen again and again to show him that. Yeah. Which you know can be a little boring. Yeah, but even though you do see him, you do see it start ruffling his feathers. Yeah, and he and he lashes out about it. He lashes right. out at the teacher. Yeah, um, to a degree, he lashes out at the cop. Yeah, um, and his brother teaches him how to box, and right on time <laughs> because he gets into the ring with about four or five dudes. Right, and him and Marcus, because Marcus gets in there too. But Marcus has no support. Right. No one has showed Marcus how to fight. Yeah. Like, you know, Marcus is angry and Marcus is from the bad, the, the wrong. And he is bigger and stronger. And he's bigger and stronger. He's from the wrong side of the tracks. And when you look at them, you're like, oh, well, they actually said at one point, they, they, I won. Put the money on the big. The big buck. The big buck. But Marcus has had no training and no support. And, and you know, that is the one thing, you know, like, like I think we talked about it already, that I really enjoyed that, that. Gordon Parks really kind of hammered it home that for black people to kind of navigate this world, they need support mm-hmm. and the support of each other, and they need to 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 kind of have this community. Yeah, and when you have it, you get newt. I think what you you struck you uh, struck on is very important: the support of each other, right? Because even though there were so-called allies throughout this movie, you know, it really was about the the community tr- standing by uh, um, these kids or not standing by these kids. Like Newt had Newt had his friends. He had his boys, right? And they were always going to have his back. He had the solid upbringing of his mom and his father. And his bro, and his brother, right, right. He thought he had the girlfriend, but then she makes a mistake. That while ultimately, I think he tries to be forgiving of it. He it also gives him window, it like you know, a clue in like, okay, 
and ain't, you're not going to be well, here. Well, also, I thought it was an important detail. She's from Canada. Oh, yeah, that's right. I so she don't really that. understand how things work. Around there, yeah. So, you know, they brought her down here from Canada, and this white, you know, this white teenager with the car is nice to her, and she's oblivious yeah. to where this is going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was... um. It was it was a smart movie because there are a lot of things that they showed that were very were very subtle, like that whole scene. There. Right, we right. all knew where it was going. His girlfriend played uh, her name is Arcel, played by Mira Waters. Okay, who is who is a, that's a name that pops up in the seventies. She actually played the the love interest in the um, Muhammad Ali movie, the greatest it, love of all. Oh, so the movie that Muhammad Ali starred. That right, the Muhammad Ali story starring Muhammad Ali. Yes. Because certainly, who else could play Muhammad Ali? Yes. But Muhammad Ali. But well, she's in that, and she pops up periodically. Okay. And, and, you know, just, you know, just to take it, I just wanted, I mean, you know, she's a kid here, although I think she's probably 18, 19 playing mm-hmm. a kid. Yeah. But, you know, I'm a fan of Mira Waters. Yeah, no reason not to be. Yeah. No reason not. And she doesn't, not, she doesn't like, uh, not embarrass herself. Not necessarily her acting. Well, I, I don't think she embarrasses embarrassed herself in right this film. right you know um you know she like you say she was young yeah she was okay uh i think ultimately though outside of the very let's put it problematic opening scene between yes. you know big uh big mabel big mabel and newt which is then never touched on again. <laughs> it's never mentioned again. It's just, it's just, it's you just know. kind of out there. Yes. Which big when Mabel you... in her little dress. Yes. Yo, yeah. In the rain. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> this is not that show. No, no, no. This is not that show. Even though. Because you have that in the back of your mind, yes, you are also kind of waiting to see what happens when Marcus right now goes working at Fun World, right? Where Big Mabel right. is, and the answer is nothing because Marcus isn't Newt. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, and also because you know, this is why Meryl Waters didn't embarrass herself. Yeah, the actress that played. Big Mabel, I don't know if she turns up a whole lot more. <laughs> no, not, <laughs> not, not a whole lot with. This wasn't a Big coming out party, Mabel. For her, yeah, I just, scene. I just, that's Carol Lamond, and uh, she has one credit to her filmography, and that is the Learning Tree. That is the Learning Tree as Big Mabel. Yes, <laughs> bless her heart. Bless her heart. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think, I think her other credit. <laughs> Is that she worked crash services <laughs> on the learning tree? Well, well, well. As we just mentioned, Gordon Parks did everything, so Gordon Parks did craft services. But maybe she helped unload the back of the truck. There you go. Because I'm, I'm gonna make these sandwiches. This is Gordon Parks production. Exactly. Gordon Parks make the sandwiches. You go get that deli tray and bring it over here. And hand me that knife. And hand me that knife. <laughs> and the rest of the handle first. Handle first. <laughs> handle first. <laughs> hand me that knife. And the jelly. And the jelly. You make these sandwiches. <laughs> you want to eat? You want to eat, don't you? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay, so now can we talk about Richard Ward? Absolutely. What you got to say about Richard Ward? 
there may not be a bigger personification of 19, late 60s, 1970s jerk. Yes. Than Richard Ward. Yeah. I, just, I mean, he was, he was the whistleblower. He's the guy that, that dropped dime on Duff. Yes. And nothing but a man. Nothing but a man. He was James Evans' father on yes. Good Times. Absent father. Absent father. And then who stole from them. Yes. The family that had nothing. Yes. He stole yeah. from them. Ain't we lucky we got them. Good times. Because we ain't got that no more. We don't have nothing else. Yeah. And he uh, apparently owns a bike shop. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. That brings all the young boys to the yard. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I realized I realized it when we watched Nothing But a Man. But now this just reinforced it. I've never seen him and liked his character. I don't think he's ever played a likable character. I think you're right. I think that is his lane. I think that's his lane. I mean, you know, you look at his you look at his filmography and and you know, he he's had a fair amount of work. But but you know, I do think a lot of the stuff that he plays in, I you know, what I really recognize him in is um he was in an episode of Sanford and Son too, oh, where he? I think he plays a card sharp who helps um, Fred Sanford, Fred Sanford get over get, o- get over on some guys. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yep. I remember it. So you know. So even then, when he's on the side of the angels, he's sketchy. Mm-hmm. Also, and I'm surprised you didn't say this. He plays Steve Martin's father in The Jerk. Oh wow. Yep. I haven't seen a jerk for so long, man. Really? Yeah. You strike me as an 80s comedies aficionado. You know what? I mean, at 79, but I always think about that during that there period. Are, like, there are very few movies. I shouldn't say few. But it is um, rare that I watch a lot of movies over. Oh, okay. Now, there are certainly some films that I will watch all the time. So, like Caddyshack, Stripes, Animal uh, Farm. Stripes, I don't watch. Like all, all of the, that kind of post-Saturday Night said, Live. Did you say Animal Farm? I'm sorry. Not Animal Farm. Animal, Animal House. House. That's all, those two completely different movies. Yeah, most certainly. <laughs> like Animal House, I've, I've seen enough now that I, I probably wouldn't watch it right. again unless it's like with a bunch of people. Okay. Um but and there are some films that I might watch. Like I think the last time I noticed the jerk on, it was on like Comedy Central. Right. And I'm not. I refuse to watch movies with commercials. Okay. So like I'm like oh. No, you like my dad? That's what my dad says. Well, if y'all I are real hardliners, if I can watch it without the commercials, then I'm going to watch right, it without right. the commercial. Like it makes no sense to me that if I know a movie's on Netflix, yet it. I, you know, I'm watching and it's coming up on TNT. I'm going to sit there on TNT and watch it. No, I'm going to fire up my Netflix and watch it. Why well, I'm going to sit there and watch it with the hey, commercials. Fair enough. Fair enough. And, you know, I don't want to get too far into the. That really was. I really did assume that you were like an 80s Harold Ramesy dude. I do like Harold. Like if someone said, hey, does Lynn like the work of Harold Ramis and his 
colleagues, I would say, oh yeah, Lynn I, I do like Harold Ramis, but like Stripes, you know, I, I don't kneel at the altar. Like stripes. Ghostbusters, like how many times you seen Ghost? You seem like both a, of them. y'all can't see me, but I'm doing like the Ghostbusters You're doing dance. The Ghostbusters, you, yes. you know, I was like, you seem like you've seen Ghostbusters a fair number of times. I probably have. Yes, right, right. Some of you. Oh, I mean, I'm a Harold Ramis dude. Like, I've seen The Jerk a bunch of times. Like, when you said, oh, I haven't seen it, I was like, oh, wow, really? See, I've seen The Jerk probably a total of twice. Okay. However, I've seen Which Way Is Up, Richard Pryor's movie, about 50 times. That's your joint. That's my shot. That's your one. That's his one. Well, he plays the father in The Jerk. See, I need to see The Jerk again. Yeah, and even then, he's just sort of... Dirt, like he always has a dirty white T-shirt on, and he always like it's a white T-shirt with some stains on it, and he and he's always greasy in the face because he got that flat nose. He's he's greasy. That just got nothing but just because he's real on. greasy in um, he, he's real greasy in the, in the learning, learning tree. tree. Oh, in the learning tree, man, he got lard on. Right, like I want to ask him because you know a lot of times you see these movies and like the black people are all greasy, but he's the only greasy person in the learning tree. No, not really. Because the the sheriff played by Dana Elkar. Oh right. Well, he has sw- he's not greasy. He has sweat stains. Man, he, he, those sweat stains they look like Rorschach tests. Yeah. On his shirt. Yeah. Because I I thought his shirt would like had like those like you know how it have like 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 uh, uh like a, a different like uh, texture right, up top right. over the pockets. I thought that's what it was. No, it was he sweated. Well, that's how the- you know he's seedy. Sweated to the top of his shirt. That's how you know he's seedy. He's a Bull Connor type figure. But yeah, he's he he being um, Dana Elkar. Oh, you're looking at the no guy. no no. He back to Richard Ward. Oh, is is he's and you know it's so it's an interesting um, development in the film where like for most of the film you just think he's just sort of pathetic. Yeah. But then the film lets you know in the last, you know, 15 minutes, no, he's a bad person. Mm-hmm. Like, he's actually a bad person. Yep. Which then, you, you know, it, it, you know it, it, again, it, it has all of this stuff to say about environment versus who you actually are. Yeah. So that, you know, back to Marcus, when he's adopted by the underworld, he still can't hold it together. He can't. Like, he's still, you know, sort of his nature well, the like the second they second they do gives him a job, and do steps away, he's already breaking what little rules he gave. Right, him. right, and you can see he's figuring out an angle to yeah. steal from him, and yeah, so it's a shame. Uh, it is a shame. It is a shame. So you know, Gordon Parks from this is nineteen sixty nine. Three years later, he makes Shaft. Do you see a connection between these two films? Like, if I told you, oh, there's the dude who goes on to do Shaft, like, you say, oh, okay, I see that. I mean, I, I, I get, outside of the, the inventiveness with the camera work and the direction, um, and I guess, and I think this, I don't think it's necessarily a stretch, but I guess that it is in there, and that at, in, at the end, both movies, this and Shaft, are about your protagonists staying true to whom they are despite whatever outside forces okay. are, pl- are piled against them. 
Other than that, I, I, if there's a, a through line between the two, I don't see it. Okay. Do you? I mean, not really. I think, I mean, just that Gordon, like you can tell that Gordon Parks is a photographer. Yeah. Like I think both films, and I think it's stronger in Shaft because he has more to work. Like he's working with 1972 New York. And he's yeah. working with, with the village, and he's working with Harlem. Like I think the sense of place in a Gordon Parks film is so strong. Yeah, and it is stronger in Shaft because while I think he works hard with this film, there are times that this film does not feel right twenties or thirties where it's supposed to be. Right. It actually feels like maybe. 60s, right. maybe even 50s. Right. But right. definitely just not where it's supposed right. to. And you know, and I think part of that is, is you know, these little towns in a lot of ways yeah. they don't they don't age. Right. So right. that like you said, it's like, and, and it's, it's so funny, again, talking about I've seen this film and then you pick up details you've never picked up. I don't know if I ever noticed it was supposed to be set in the 20s. Like mm. you just said, I thought it was the 50s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now they said the 20s, it's like, you know, you see a couple of scenes with cars and you say, oh, OK, well, I guess these are old cars. But you're absolutely right. You know, you can't tell what year it is, um, except for the shots that that really go out of their way to show these long, you know, these long shots of, of the fields and the skies. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's the Midwest. It could be the South. Well, the second, like in the beginning, where you see him through that field, and you see the hurricane in the distance, right? And I'm and I'm I'm just waiting for it. Well, the music actually sort of alludes to it. it like does. you do get that, you, you know, that kind of like kind of like tingling that 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 piano, yeah, right. But the second it, it, the second I see the tornadoes out there, I'm thinking Midwest, right, right, right. You know I mean, you know, the, he ain't in Philly. No, <laughs> no, he is not. But um. It wasn't a bad film. I, it's a film that I, I think people can pull something out of. and you know. you know, I like it. I feel like it's a film that I've seen more than it probably warrants. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I think it is, It you know, we've talked about this before about certain films. Like, there are certain films that they used to run on television. Yeah. And this is a film like this and Sounder. Mm-hmm. That they would be on, and you would catch it at you know the other thing is because it's not a heavy a heavily plotted film, it's almost like a series of vignettes, yeah, oh, kind of like Christmas story, mhm, you know it's kind of like Christmas story, mm-hmm. actually, so you can drop in at various points of the film and just sort of watch it, yeah, and I feel like I've done that more than you know again, the quality of the film certainly justifies yeah, but you you gave it you gave it as due. Yeah, yeah. So you know, mission accomplished. <laughs> mission. Good on you, boy. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I guess we gotta do Sounder though. Eventually, <laughs> we we have to break up. The we barefoot. gotta break that we stuff gotta, up, though. We gotta break up the overall barefoot movie. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, it's a shame because Sounder is better than this. I've never seen Sounder either. Oh, yeah. It's got Paul Winfield, Cicely Tyson, Lil' Ken Hooks. I know. A dog. <laughs> Named Sounder. Named Sounder. Like, Sounder is pretty good. Sexualize Cicely Tyson, too. 
which is I'm she? always, I mean, yeah, that's his lady. I mean, that's his wife, but, but it is like, um, you know, that's one of my little hobbies, like finding places where Cicely, because it seems like Cicely Tyson has been an old woman forever. Yeah. So it's interesting to see well, moments. Cicely Tyson is this era's Ruby D. Right. Right. Exactly. Except that, you know, we did find some documentary footage that Ruby yeah. D used to be young. Like, Cicely Tyson played, like, you know, Miss Jane Pittman, and I think many of us forget that she had makeup on. Yeah. Like, she's just an old lady. So, you know, I like, like, Sounder. There's an episode of um, the Bill Cosby show mm-hmm. where Chet Kincaid dates Cicely Tyson. Yeah, Cicely <sighs> Tyson had her own special. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah she was she was hot. And, just, and as much as everybody, you know, kneels at the altar of Cicely Tyson now, you know, if you were a fan of um 2016's uh hit movie Deadpool you know you had Leslie Uggams in there where's Leslie Uggams been where has well she was funny in that movie we've talked about Leslie Uggams Leslie Uggams problem with Leslie Uggams is that she was like third in line all the time yeah I know like you know she was behind Diane Carroll and Nancy Wilson and you you know and, and and all these people like like for the show like the singing show and then acting like you know it's like Cicely Tyson and and who else was like like Ruby D Mary Alice and then I like, don't know if she can get with Ruby D but Leslie Uggams is every bit as good an actress as Cicely Tyson and Mary Alice I don't think she's as good as Cicely Tyson Cicely, don't get me wrong I'm not saying Cicely Tyson's not a good actress yeah but I think Leslie Uggams is just as good. Oh, look at you. Do you have a soft spot for Leslie Uggams? I think Leslie, she doesn't get her just due. Do you have a soft spot and for... And I'm tired of... I'm tired of have the, I found someone that Lynn has a soft spot for? No, here's the thing. Leslie Uggams in Deadpool is having fun with her own hair out in a nice little afro with her playing the blind. Having fun. Having fun in this movie. Cecily Tyson, God bless her, has her granddaughter's wig on in everything that she's doing. <laughs> you like Leslie Uggams. <laughs> because when I've seen her... Is, Leslie, she, is she your Diane Carroll? Is Leslie Uggams your Diane Carroll? No, she's not my Diane Carroll. All right. She's not my Diane Carroll. My Diane Carroll is Gladys Knight. Okay. All right. She, Gladys Knight's just doesn't act that much. And Gladys Knight is actually super talented. E- extremely talented. So. The woman doesn't give a just do. Right, right, that, right. That, don't, don't get me started on Gladys Knight. Don't get you started on Gladys Knight. Matter of fact, Gladys Knight and Leslie Uggams should do a TV show for uh, Amazon. Call it Leslie and Gladys. Or Gladys and Leslie. We'll let the lawyers work it out. I'm like Red in the Five Heartbeats. We'll let the lawyers, <laughs> lawyers work, work that out. out. So do we have a deal or what? <laughs> We got to get out of here. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Michelle Mission. We will be back in, uh, we, we've, we've got, we've got guest stars lined up. We've got, um, Mike, um, Mike from Real Black. Really looking forward to that. Yeah, because we, we, we want to do, um, what is it, Dark Strutters? Oh, 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 yeah, Dark Town Strutters. Dark Town Strutters. Yeah. Uh, uh, Lindsay, Lindsay, uh, Leanne Lindsay 
of Tinsel and Tine. Finally. Finally, she's chosen her movie. What's her movie? Talk to me. Okay. All right. I like yeah. Talk to me. Yeah, I, I love that movie. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that was like one of the best movies of, I think it came out 2012. 2012. It's a good movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we've got, we got movies lined up. We're going to be getting um, Charlene Griffith, uh, the, uh, get her back in here. Um, and um, we're going to have a lot of fun right here. And in some episodes, it'll just be me and you. Yeah, some episodes you'll just have to deal with me and Vince. <laughs> Hopefully that will be, um, you know, you won't be too disheartened. Yes. And you'll continue to listen. Yes. To uh, the Michelle Mission, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and every place a good podcast be, including the CLNS podcast app look up clns app on itunes or on google play and you will find the michelle mission as well as the black triples as well as the beats and eats podcast and about 30 other sports and uh, entertainment and geek influence podcasts right there for your listening pleasure until next week, please hit us up. Email us at MichelleMission at gmail.com. Like and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Michelle Mission. He's Vince. I'm Len. And parting, we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs>